Warning, the following episode contains immature content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. If you need a laugh, here on your behalf, it's bad mates. Are we fighting crime or just wasting time? It's bad mates. Lunch, boom, crash, kapow, stream a download, holy cow. You can stop listening now to bad mates. Because we're Batmates. Hello and welcome to Batmates, a podcast that used to be fun for the whole family. <laughs> My name is Becca, and this episode is rated like uh, T for teen, or if you're international, maybe like Peggy 16. <laughs> My name is Josh, and despite this episode's lewd content, I actually think it might be one of our most informative yet in terms of like general knowledge. It did take about two weeks to research. That's true. I want to apologize in advance to all of our listeners who have been waiting for an episode and we haven't posted one for almost a month now. I know. We wanted to keep you wanting more because... It is episode 50. It is. Happy 50th episode, Josh. Thank you. It's our jubilee. Our gold jubilee. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad. Exciting. And we decided to do a special comic for this one. Mm Mm-hmm. The infamous uh, internet meme, Joker's Boner. Mm-hmm. Or actually, the title is uh, title of the comic is Joker's Comedy of Errors. I was in that play. Twice, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, I played Angelo the Goldsmith. I think both times, actually. I know literally nothing about it. So. You saw it like two months ago at the Red Fair. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It's <laughs> okay. It's the, the Switcheroo one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two twins, two sets of twins who don't know that the other one exists, and they find themselves in the same city, and, you know, comedy ensues. Yeah. That's just, that's just a natural one-two punch setup. hmm Everyone knows mm-hmm. that. Mistaken identity is, is comedy gold. Exactly. <laughs> Always. You, you ever run into somebody on the street, and you think you know them, and you're like, hey, Phil, and it's not Phil, and it's like... It's like, ooh, and they turn around, and they're like, huh? Like, you feel embarrassed, and you know that they also sort of feel embarrassed for you. They kind of wish they were, Phil, so <laughs> this interaction could go better. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're like Ned, Ned Ryerson, and then you kiss. That, I don't think that that's what happens. It's been a while since I've seen Groundhog Day, but I don't think that that's what happens in that movie. That's like my particular Mandela effect of Groundhog Day <laughs> is the scene where uh, Phil Connors and Ned Ryerson kiss. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened in a cycle. It's in the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> they just took it out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the dark implications of Groundhog's Day is that if he wanted to, he could have gone around and tried to figure out how to have sex with everyone in that town. He he did. Everyone? I mean, he had sex with many of with them. With all, or most of the women. It's He implied. had sex with most of the young-ish women in town. But if he wanted to, he could have figured out how to romance the mayor. <laughs> given enough time, given infinite time, he could have figured out how to, how to get it, how to become the mayor's wife. <laughs> And maybe that would have also ended the cycle because my theory is that him getting Rita to love him and finding his, you know, real good self wasn't what actually broke the spell in Groundhog Day. It's because that was the cycle where he gave the mayor a Heimlich maneuver and saved his life. That's my that's my theory, at least. Okay, the original versions of the script had a scorned lover of his, uh, like, set a curse on him, and that's why he did it. And him, like, f- becoming a... Nice person is what broke the spell. Well, I unless think. Harold Ramis is gonna crawl out of his grave and fight me, 
I'm allowed the to CG, have my the theory. CGI version of him from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Unless could. the CGI version of Harold Ramis's ghost is gonna fly into my room and smile at me, <laughs> and then fight with me about the script for Groundhog Day, I'm allowed to think whatever I want. That's another thing we did in the hiatus between episodes as we watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's so weird. Okay, well, anyway, this is a Batman podcast. I was gonna say we're like four minutes in. We haven't talked about Batman or covered like any news or comics. This is a Batman podcast. We love each other. We've loved each other for 50 episodes. <laughs> and long before that. Yes, we're a couple. Yeah. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, so this week we are going to talk about the infamous Joker's boner. Um, but we do have some news first. Uh, so Batgirl started filming, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before that. and November of- 30th or something, I believe? Yeah. And one of the directors posted a photo of, like, a clapper over top a scene of a messy desk. And on that desk is a placard reading Officer Barbara Gordon, a ball of twine, a book about codes, several notebooks, and some tinsel. And in the background, we can see a huge stack of notebooks and what looks to be, like, film reels, it seems. And I hadn't heard anything about this movie taking place any time except modern day. Um, but it would be really interesting if it's set in, like, the late 60s or early 70s. Oh, that would be neat. Yeah. Did, could it also be, you said film reels, could it be the, um, what is that called, uh, microfilm that they have, they put like old newspaper articles and stuff on. Maybe. She should be looking through like old files She's or something. She's in like something. the records department or something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. But the placard uh, seems to indicate that they're not going with Barbara's librarian background. She's obviously working for the GCPD if she's Officer Barbara Gordon. Uh, so it could be really interesting to see like the office politics. As maybe she gets picked on for being uh, the commissioner's daughter. Uh, also, I like the logo. It's very purple. <laughs> That's true. Like the Gotham Knights logo is very purple as well. Yeah, I love it. I'm here for it. The next thing I have for news is Super Pets uh, got a trailer last week, and I kind of hate it, (laughs) and I knew I was going to. Besides Crypto the Wonder Dog and Ace the Bat Hound, it also features Merton McSnurdle, who was Wally West's turtle in DC Super Friends. Um, It also goes by the name The Terrific What's It. He's like his own comic character. Oh, interesting. Uh, There's also a pig that apparently belongs to Wonder Woman, which isn't like a comics character, but I think might be a nod to the time that Wonder Woman got turned into a pig by Cersei in Justice League Unlimited. (laughs) Potentially. Okay. Um, And then there's also Chip the Squirrel, who in the comics is a member of the Green Lantern Corps. (laughs) So he's a legit superhero. Uh, Wait, is he is he a Green Lantern on Earth, or is he like a alien squirrel? He's an alien squirrel. Oh, okay. His name is C H apostrophe P. Okay. Chip. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's another stupid Dwayne Johnson Kevin Hart joint. So if that's your thing, you'll probably like it. If you liked Secret Life of Pets, I think that was also. I know Kevin Hart was in that. I don't know if, if Dwayne Johnson was in it. I think it might be the same studio. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, if you liked uh, Jungle Jungle Book, no. Jungle Jungle Game. Jungle Crew. <laughs> jungle Juman- Game? Jumanji. Oh. <laughs> You'll probably like this. Took uh, you a while to get there. Yeah. Uh, and the last item of news I had, uh, I'm actually going to turn this over to my uh, correspondent. Uh, HBO accidentally uploaded the TV edit of Birds of Prey, and they fixed it two days later. Uh, with more on that, we turn to our censorship correspondent. Josh? 
Yeah, uh, so it's really weird that they uploaded the TV edit. I did see one of the things that got censored is there's a scene in which uh, Renee Montoya is wearing a shirt that's sort of tongue-in-cheek. The shirt says, I shaved my balls for this. Oh, yeah. Which is funny. Because uh, you know. she, she gets it out of, like, evidence. Yeah. She, like, her, her, her suit gets all messy, and then she has to, like, change into whatever they had. In yeah. Evidence. So they, they blurred the shirt in, oh. the, in the TV edit that they posted to HBO Max and had to remove. There's also, like, parts of scenes that they cut. Like, I think they cut the gory stuff in the final fights. Mm. Just, like, a few, you know, a few seconds here and there that amounted to, like, a couple of minutes shaved off the total run time shaved off the balls of the soap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so so that was the one thing that i saw that i was like really you have to even edit that for tv okay um also all right uh, I have another piece of news. LA Comic Con is happening, or the last day was today when we're recording it, mm. and hot off the presses, Alan Burnett is writing a script for a new Batman audio drama. The title is Batman Caped Crusader. Mm-hmm. It takes place in the animated series universe. Kevin Conroy will and other actors <gasps> will be reprising their roles. <gasps> Move over, Jeffrey Wright! <laughs> Um, and then also, weirdly, I, I listened to the, like, five-minute clip that got posted to YouTube of the panel. They say that Riddler is going to return, and he's on the spectrum, and that he okay. also will have a, more of a detective role. So it looks like they're oh. trying to do that thing. Okay. <laughs> exactly, that's what I said. They were like, they were like, oh yeah, he's on the spectrum this time. And I was like, well, okay... It takes place in the animated series universe, but now they're just, like, retconning him? Like, it's so weird. I don't think that actor is on the spectrum. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. I saw no, him speak once. I don't, I don't think he is. I mean, I guess it's hard to tell sometimes. I guess, he, yeah, he could be, like, borderline or whatever. But, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like what they're trying to do is that thing that they did in... What was that? New 52, where he learned Batman's identity, but also, like, helped him out on, like, solving cases and stuff. Yeah, wasn't that Hush? Or was it pre-crisis? Might have been pre-crisis that I'm thinking. I'm not sure. Or pre, sorry, pre-52. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's all the news there is. It's like in development, so there's not really like a release date or any in-detail stuff. Who's Alan Burnett? He was a writer for the original animated series, I'm pretty sure. Okay. He wrote like a lot of the scripts. Okay, but he's not like Paul Dini. No, no, no. Paul Dini and and Bruce Timm were the show creators, but Alan Burnett did a lot of the writing. Okay. I've probably seen him in, like, several of the documentaries that we've watched about the animated (laughs) series. I just don't remember the name. Okay. I just looked it up, and he was the writer of 11 episodes, producer of 85 of the episodes, and he also co-wrote the screenplay for Mask of the Phantasm. Cool. And, like, some of the sequels as well. So, that's news. Great. Do you want to get into the comic? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's do it. Batman number 66, Joker's Comedy of Errors, August 1951, cover date, writer Bill Finger, pencilers Bob Kane, uh, Lou Sayer Schwartz, inker Charles Paris, and letterer Irish Schnapp. Before we start, okay. should we talk about what a boner is in this so, context? Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the origins of the phrase pull a boner. Okay. Because uh, 
the the phrase pull a boner is baseball slang for a mistake okay. which moved into the common vernacular for a mistake in the early tw- 20th century mm-hmm. it is maybe related to the minstrel character mr bones i saw a couple of claims on this but i couldn't find a reliable source okay uh because mr bones was a minstrel show character who would do silly stuff because that was what minstrel shows would do. Uh, he was a blackface character. Yeah. Um, and I guess the idea was like, because he would do silly stuff, acting like him was considered like you're making a mistake. Pulling a Mr. Bones. Exactly. Pulling a Mr. Bones, pulling a boner, and then, Which... you know, so on. But again, I couldn't find any reliable source for this. Uh, I It's more likely related to the phrase boneheaded. Okay. Which is like a phrase that would mean like you only have a bone in your head you don't have like a brain uh, i mean everyone has bones in their head well yeah but but like it's your your head is only bones instead of there's no brain there okay uh although according to merriam webster boneheaded's first usage is dated 1903 while the word boner is dated 1896. Ah. So I'm not sure exactly the origins. It's, it's sort of unclear. But all you need to know is that pulling a boner, baseball slang for a mistake. Okay. And it wasn't used to mean an erection until the late 1980s. Oh. The earliest printed reference of it being used in the context of erections is 1986 in a slang dictionary. Oh. I yeah. mean, it is kind of strange considering the fact that, like, there aren't bones down there. No. Yeah. So. It, yeah. I mean, some people call it, like, their bone. Like, you know. I guess. <laughs> Nobody I talk to. No. It's it's a weird and, and some would say outdated thing to say yeah uh but yeah that's so when this comic was printed it did not have the double entendre that it has today which makes it absolutely hilarious um i have a question because you said it's baseball slang i know that they have like they track errors Mm -hmm. as like a stat did they used to track boners Baseball well, okay, so an error is like any mistake when, like, you know, the ball slipped out of your glove or whatever. That's an error. A boner was specifically meant when it was like a huge mistake. Like when uh, that thing that happened, I think it was like last year, where the Pirates tried to throw a guy out and then overthrew one base and then they like tried to throw a guy out at another base and they overthrew that base mm. and they ended up like scoring an additional run because they just kept like running the ball back and forth and accidentally fumbling it. And mm. that that would have been, like, a boner. That gotcha. was a, a, a big mistake that wasn't, a, like, a small error on the field that would have caused, like, an extra base. It would have been something that was, like, egregious. Gotcha. You know? Yes. Okay. So. What about all those times that people have intentionally hit Chase Utley with a baseball? Those <laughs> <laughs> boners. I guess it depends on whether... Uh, you said it intentionally. Yeah. So, no, it wasn't a boner then. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you just want to jump right into the comic? Are we done talking about the word boner? Let's jump right on this boner. Okay. So the comic opens up with, like, a big scrawl of text like many of these do. They give you a little, uh, like, preview of what's going to happen. And in that, we we get the quote. And I'm going to be quoting the comic a lot because there's a lot of funny stuff in here just because of the use of the word boner. You've probably committed some boners in your time. Most everybody has. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
When the Clown Prince of Crookdom sets out to recreate the classic errors of history for personal gain, and in addition readies a special boner just for Batman, it all adds up to the most exciting adventures to ever befell the dynamic duo. <laughs> so the teaser page has a picture of Batman and Robin swinging into a picture gallery titled the Joker's Collection of the Great Boners of History. Yay! <laughs> which includes Christopher Columbus's blunder of running into the Americas instead of the intended destination of India, and then he has a blank painting there, which is reserved for Batman's folly. And a baseball boner. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the comic opens on Joker and his gang at the Gotham Electric Company, where they are going to commit a robbery. Joker sends in one of his henchmen to pull the fuses from the building's fuse box as he and the rest of the gang take the elevator to the 24th floor, holding a gun to the elevator operator. I never understood the point of elevator operators. Yeah. Is, is it really that difficult to stop the floor on the right level? I think it was like a holdover from early elevators where they were manually operated with like a switch or something. Mm -hmm. And you had to like stop it at the correct time to be on the level with the floor that you were going to. Mm -hmm. But once they switched it over to like computer systems to run them, there's absolutely no, re no reason to have an elevator operator other than just sort of like it's a fancy place and they're kind of showing off of like we can hire a guy to push these buttons for you. Yeah. I did a little like half-hearted <clears throat> research on elevator operators like two weeks ago. Oh yeah. When we started researching for this episode. So I didn't write any of this down. But what I do remember is that in Japan there's like a weird like subculture. I mean if there's a weird subculture it's in Japan. There's a weird subculture of like female elevator operators in certain places and there's actually like a book that somebody wrote about like Japanese young people counterculture and it tells like a fictional story about a like elevator girl who's like an elevator girl by day but by night she's engaging in like risky sex and drugs <laughs> so it's like a whole thing interesting mm -hmm. I also I, there's like something tickling me in the back of my mind about like Old elevators didn't have the function that new ones do where it could determine, like, everybody was going up or everybody was going down. So you had to have somebody sort of coordinate that. Okay. Something like that. But, I, like I said, I, it's, I don't know, like, off the top of my head. I'm just sort of like, that's, that's ringing a bell to me. Anyway, Joker and his gang take the elevator, and according to plan, the lights go out just as they arrive, and they begin robbing the employees of the electric company. The gang attempts to reboard the elevator to make their escape, but Joker seems to have forgotten that the lift operates with electricity. Incensed, Joker orders his men to take the stairs to escape. As they descend, they spot Batman and Robin approaching them, and the dynamic duo begin pummeling the clown and his lackeys. Ever the trickster, Joker lights a match and throws it into a film processing room, which I was like, in an electric company? Why in the world do they have a film processing room in an electric company? Anyway, it starts a massive fire and forces the heroes to choose between pursuing the crooks or saving the people in the building. Batman notices that the gang dropped the loot and rushes upstairs to assist the civilians. The next day, the newspaper report about Joker's mishap, running the headline, Joker pulls boner of the year and runs a second story about the other famous all-time boners. Okay, because right underneath the headline, Joker pulls boner of the year, it says perfect crime fizzles when criminal clown ruins own getaway chances. 
perfect crime his idea was to cut the power that's like standard in any heist now i guess it was i don't know big ideas back in the 50s i also love the fact that the gotham gazette uses this opportunity to list other famous boners uh, i'm thinking vicky vale must have been short on column inches <laughs> or in the case of this column short on boner inches Oh, oh no, They uh, that laundromat pulled their ad. We need another, like, two inches of space. Vicky, research boners. <laughs> Look up the greatest boners of history. The next panel is the one that is shared as a meme online and shows the Joker in his hideout reading the newspaper. He exclaims, So, laugh at my boner, will they? I'll show them. I'll show them how many boners Joker can make. The Gotham Gazette, again, makes a great appearance here, saying uh-huh. uh, it's kind of crossed out. It's like something chortle at Joker's boner. Uh-huh. And I'd never chortle at someone's boner. That's just rude. <laughs> Especially if it's curved, because apparently that could be indicative of a serious problem. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? I do. Okay. So we were watching. It's important to know what we were watching. We were watching <laughs> it was on a Harry television. Potter <laughs> we were watching a marathon of the Harry Potter movies. And in the middle of uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is a movie for children, <laughs> repeatedly this ad came on that was about uh it was like is your carrot curved it was like you know of uh what do you call it not a it was a euphemism yeah exactly yeah uh for you know if your if your penis curves in one direction or another and they're like it could be indicative of a serious problem you should get it checked out or (laughs) also you can take this pill doctors think it might be able to help Something like that. Yeah, it was like, go to our website, ask your doctor if you could take our medicine to help fix your curvy penis. I mean, obviously, if you have a serious medical problem with your privates, I don't want to laugh about that. But it was very strange to me that it was being shown in the middle of a children's movie. It was also weird that they were using carrots. Like, they could have just... They didn't have to do with the euphemism. Like, they could have just called it what it was. What's that website? Curvedcarrot.com or something? It was no, it was bentcarrot.com. Okay, so yeah, if you are concerned, go to bentcarrot.com. This, yeah, this, this is a PSA. This is not sponsored content. <laughs> We're genuinely concerned if you have a medical issue. I mean, but maybe don't. I, I don't like the fact that America has uh, like drug commercials. If you have something wrong with you, ask your doctor, and your doctor should be the one prescribing you medications. Don't listen to a commercial that's prescribing you medications. That's true. Because they're just trying to sell their medication. That's the real PSA. Exactly. Take down Big Pharma. Exactly. We should outlaw. It should be part of the FCC regulations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Joker's mad that everybody's laughing at his boner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to quote the next two panels that Joker is in. Okay. Uh, this emphasis on boners has given me an idea for a new adventure in crime. Gotham City will rue the day that it mentioned the word boner. They really will. <laughs> I will take the greatest boners of all time and turn them into crimes. See this picture? It shows a big boner of modern vintage. <laughs> the picture that he shows his henchman uh, is, however, not phallic. Uh, but that of the Battleship Missouri. It's like a sideways phallic. <laughs> which ran aground in 1950, which was actually just one year before this comic was printed. So, uh, yeah, modern modern vintage, I suppose. They proceed to move the buoys on the Gotham River to recreate the scenario to rob a cargo ship. The captain is not familiar with the river, and the plan succeeds, allowing Joker's gang to nab the diamonds kept aboard. 
The next day, the newspapers are abuzz about Joker's latest crime, stating, Stung by his boner, Joker lashes back! And, First boner crime! <laughs> the paper also states that Joker has warned that there are more crimes to come, which implies that he either left a note at the crime scene or did a phone interview with a reporter. I and I, it was pref the second one. I prefer the latter, because I think that that would be hilarious. Hello, Gotham Gazette, it's me, the Joker! Ah, I see you've noticed my boner crime! Well, there's more to come! <laughs> so, yeah, he he unveils his next idea for a no, crime. No, don't trace the call! <laughs> Damn it! I don't think they could do that in 1940 or whatever. Oh, okay. 51. Uh, he, he unveils his idea for his next crime, which is recreating the famed Leaning Tower of Pisa. Speaking of curved boners... <laughs> So, come over here, into my corner, it's Josh's Fact Corner. It's back! By popular demand, and uh, this is not the only Fact Corner that we will be having in this episode. Oh my god, I can't Th wait! This is chock-a-block full, completely <laughs> stuffed with <laughs> Josh's Fact Corner. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was a bell tower for the Pisa Cathedral and began construction in 1172 which was and continued until 1178, by which time only the second floor had been completed and the tower had already begun sinking. Construction would resume in 1233 with the 55-year gap caused by a war that was going on at the time, allowing unstable soil to settle and ultimately saving the tower from toppling. If mm. they would have completed it like all in one go, it probably would have fell over. Hmm. So the next time your boss is like, why haven't you finished that project? <laughs> Bring up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Sometimes it's worth waiting. Yeah, 55 years. Sometimes it's worth waiting. <laughs> Uh, so yes, then uh, 1233, construction would halt again for another 27 years, and the tower wasn't, going, wasn't completed until 1372, a full 200 years after construction had began. Which, like, th that is absolutely bizarre to me. As somebody who works in construction and, like, modern-day buildings go up, like, you know, within a year or two or a mm. couple of years, depending on the size... It's bizarre to me to think of a building that, like, your grandfather could have worked on when he was a kid. Like, you know, in his 20s, he could have been a stonemason, and you're working on in your 20s as a stonemason, and it's still not finished yet. I mean, this was, the, what, the 1100s? The, the 12, 1200s to the 1300s. Yeah, things moved slow back then. That's true. Was that, like, around the time of, like, the Black Death, or was that afterwards? I know the Renaissance was, like, 1500s. Uh, I mean, that was, like, you are asking right the wrong the person. Death. I am not I think, a... I think that was before the plague. Okay. I think you're right. In 1934, under Italy's fascist regime, Mussolini tried fixing the tower's tilt by pouring 200 tons of concrete into the foundation, and that only made it worse. <laughs> Oh, Mussolini. The tower was used as a German observation post in World War II, but it was spared from artillery fire by the U.S. Army sergeant that was scoping it out, who was struck by the tower's beauty. I, I just think of, like, you could do, like, uh, like, a goofus and gallant sort of thing with, like, two, like, watchmen, and, like, one of them is just, the dumb one is viewing the tower from, like, the leaning side, and he's like, I don't know, all I see is ground. <laughs> I'll let you know if I see the Allies. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me, though, that they were like, oh, the Germans are hiding there. Like, let's 
blow it up. <laughs> and the guy was like, no, it's pretty. <laughs> that was, it was just an interesting fact I thought I should share. In 1964, the Italian government officially requested solutions to straightening the tower. Another attempt was made in 1985, which also made the lean worse. Mm -hmm. they, they placed lead counterweights on it in 1993, which improved the tilt by an inch, but then they attempted to replace the counterweights with underground cables in 95 and made the lean worse again. Mm. <laughs> so they continued to try and fix it and make it worse and try and fix it and make it worse. Uh, finally, in 1999, they began extracting the soil underneath the tower on the side that was like opposite the way that it was leaning very slowly. And that actually worked. So by 2001, they had improved the lean by a full foot and a half. Wow. Yeah. And they say that this work should prevent it from toppling for hopefully another 300 years. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, you can still go to Italy and take your picture where it looks like you're <laughs> trying to hold it up or <laughs> like it's coming out of your pants. People do that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Very thematic for go this episode. Bringing it back around. Bringing it back around. Bringing it back to boners. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird to me that it seems like in, like, strong governmental regimes, uh, people are like, let's fix the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And then they're like, oh, no, we made it worse. <laughs> I don't know if there's some sort of correlation between that. I think it was, for, for Mussolini specifically, he thought of it as, like, a blemish on the image of Italy. So he was like, we have to fix it. Yeah. That's ironic. Uh, you know, Mussolini famed, so, you know, hero of Italy. Mm -hmm. Being like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the one who's going to fix it. <laughs> People will always remember me, Mussolini, as being the best thing that happened to Italy. <laughs> what a dummy. So do you have any other questions about the Leaning Tower of Pisa before I move on with the comic? How come it, how, how come it doesn't fall over? Uh, because it's, it doesn't have enough weight hanging over to one side for it to actually topple. Oh, wait, I actually have another question. Okay. Are people allowed up in it? Or is it not safe? Uh, like modern day? Yeah. Um, can you take a tour? I know, I actually, I think you can go inside. I don't know if you can go all the way to the top. Hmm. Um, I know that they removed the bell ta the bells out of the top of the tower, and that was one of the like solutions that they had to try and stop it from tipping because they were like, if we remove the weight from the top of the tower, it will like sink slower because it'll have less weight and also it won't tilt as much because it won't be as top heavy. I see. Um, and I think that did help it a little bit, but it didn't actually like solve the problem of mm. the just like the under the underlying soil was was not good to begin with. They shouldn't have built a foundation there. True. Okay. Okay. Back to the comic. Joker takes his gang through the countryside to the oil magnate King Stanley's castle, uh, which he had transported stone by stone from Europe. To the side of the massive walls is a bell tower, which Joker and his men undermine the foundation of in order to cause it to lean. So the opposite of what they did to fix the leaning tower eventually. After the first heavy rain, the tower leans into the castle walls, and Joker's men are able to scale it and rob the castle. Batman and Robin search the castle for clues, but find nothing, and upon returning to Wayne Mansion, catch a radio broadcast of the Joker, who is gloating about his recent crimes. There will be more boner crimes to come, but more important, soon Batman will make the boner of the year, claims the Joker. Mm. 
Unsure of how Joker will pull off his plan and unable to trace the transmission's origin, the dynamic duo decide the best course of action is studying the great boners of history. Wait, can you do me a favor? Can yes. You, can you read this panel in, in Dick's voice? And I'm, I'm not going to actually read what Batman says. Okay. I, I have my own reply. What does he mean, Bruce? How can he force you into a boner? There are many ways to force a man into a boner, Robin, but a good person shouldn't have to force a boner. Remember, <laughs> consent is mandatory. <laughs> and then, yeah, so they do study uh, the great boners of history. You know, Bruce just casually getting the boner book off the shelf. <laughs> Back at Joker's hideout, he explains the next step in his brilliant scheme, breaking one of his gang members out of jail using a wooden gun just like John Dillinger. Come over here, into my corner, it's Josh's Fact Corner. John Dillinger's escape is so much more interesting than this comic tells you. The wooden gun is just the tip of the iceberg. Or just the tip of the boner. <laughs> Dillinger was crazy. The jailbreaking question was Dillinger's second escape. In his first escape, his friends posed as parole officers and shot the sheriff of the jail he was being held in. Oh my god. And his friends had escaped from their incarceration using the same plans that the police had found on Dillinger four days earlier. So Dillinger had plans on him that detailed the jailbreak. They were like, what are these plans? Is this a jailbreak? And he was like, I don't know anything about a jailbreak. <laughs> and they were like, okay. Nah, man, these are my, uh, you know, just my, me sketching out my dreams. They didn't, they like didn't warn the other, the other jail that his, his cronies were like gonna plan to break out. Oh my God. So they went to Arizona following a crime spree where their hotel caught fire and a fireman recognized him leading to his arrest. Oh my God. He was placed in the Lake County Jail in Indiana, which officials at the time bragged to the newspapers was escape-proof. <laughs> you should never say you're anything-proof, because just fate and karma Yeah, will... 100%. Yeah. That's the only thing people will remember. It's like when the, the Titanic, the Titanic was, was unsinkable. unsinkable, yeah. And this jail was uh, escape-proof, even though he escaped Unbreakoutable. from it. Yeah. This is the jail where he carved a wooden gun and used it to escape. He and a co-conspirator locked up the staff in cells and stole two submachine guns from the warden's quarters. Stealing the sheriff's private car and taking a deputy sheriff and a garage worker at the prison hostage, he was able to ride directly through the 50-man cordon that had been set up specifically to prevent his escape. Because wow. he had hostages. I mean, yeah. After he got far enough away, he let the hostages go with, quote, a handshake, a cigarette, and $4 for the cab ride back to the prison. He's a nice guy. He is, yeah. He's, he's a, he was, it was back in a time when gangsters had, uh, you know, s some respect. Yeah. You know, he's like me trying to play Red Dead Redemption. We, <laughs> Josh and I recently got Red Dead Redemption 2, which may be a reason why this episode is so late, but... <laughs> <laughs> Every, you know, like every cutscene, Arthur's like, I'm a bad man. But then every time it gives me a moral choice, I always do the right thing. Even when it tells me I have the choice between threatening someone for money or beating them, I always choose threaten. I'm like, I don't want to hit anybody if I don't have to. <laughs> I'm not a bad man. 
The interesting thing about this escape and uh, that, like, is one of the cool parts of history is that the car theft specifically broke federal law and was ultimately the justification that was used for bringing the FBI in to get involved in his apprehension. So it became a national case, and that's how he ended up getting captured is because the FBI started working on his case. Mm -hmm. Before this, all of the, the crimes that he had committed were just, like, state level crimes yeah was the the wooden gun one mm -hmm. that was the jail where he got the two hostages yes okay yeah so he had a wooden gun he used it to threaten the guards and then after he had threatened and like locked up the guards he went and got real guns and hostages gotcha. and left i gotcha <laughs> yeah do you have any questions about john dillinger did they not inspect his gun really closely or was it just like a really good fake? I don't know. It didn't say. Like, I don't know if it's... if Like, it's... I'm imagining a little toy that you like, I don't know, made in like shop class. I mean, he must have whittled it because there's no way that they would have been able to like smuggle it in as like part of his, I don't know, like gifts or whatever. Because he wasn't even there that long. That would be a very uncomfortable cavity He search. was only in there like a couple of days. <laughs> he wasn't there very long. Mm -hmm. And actually, he wasn't active very long. He he started his crime sprees in 1934. He died like late 1934 in a shootout with, with the feds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, live, live fast, die young. I guess so. Rob Banks get shot. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go back to the comic now. So Joker's gang member in prison uses a wooden gun, which the guard suspects is fake, but the prisoner tricks him by banging a metal ring against the bars at the same time as the phony gun in order to convince the guard that it's real. It's really nice of the jail to let him keep his ring. I'm pretty sure they confiscate all of that in processing. In fact, that was like a plot point in the comic that we just read about the, the, the puppeteer. Oh, that they like took away his stuff? Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, I don't know. These is, this is just, you know, whatever the comic writers need. I guess. Also, I guess, would they take away a ring? I don't know. It's like a, a do they take away your jewelry? Yeah. I guess, course. yeah, because they're, they're worried that you would, like, trade it for stuff. Yeah. You know, use it as, you know, to get contraband or whatever. Well, anyway. And also, you, the other thing is, like, people could, like, kill you for it. It's valuable. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the plane goes on without, without a hitch. Back at Gotham's police department, Commissioner Gordon implores Batman to stop the crimes because they're both making the police look bad and Commissioner Gordon is worried about the boner that Joker is readying for Batman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> His words. A few days later, Bruce and Dick are having tea when Bruce spots an article about a movie being filmed in Gotham this about is, the ancient Greeks. This is the happiest I've ever seen Bruce and Dick look. <laughs> he looks so excited in this panel. And He's like, they're making a movie. It's pure joy. <laughs> it's about ancient Greeks? It's about ancient Greeks. So the movie will be using a Trojan horse, which the two suspect Joker will attempt to use in his next crime. I think I know that story. It's uh, Helen of Troy, the face that launched a thousand boners. <laughs> uh, surely enough, Joker and his men have dressed like Greek soldiers to mix themselves in with the extras of the movie, with the plan being to stash themselves away inside the horse and rob the prop warehouse of the expensive furs. Oh, I did want to mention, I don't have a fact corner for this one because the Trojan horse is widely regarded as histori by historians as a fairy tale like it's yeah. not didn't it never happened well they think that troy existed 
Well, yeah, the city of Troy may have existed, but there is absolutely no historical evidence that there was a giant horse filled with men that ended up winning a battle for them. Listen, Helen of Troy was born when Zeus, as a shower of light, okay. impregnated her mom. I don't, I don't believe it. Actually, no, was that the goose one? <laughs> I think it was the shower of light one. I can't remember. But then she was promised to uh, marry this one guy, um, and then in order to have there not be any war between fighting over how beautiful she was, everyone else who wanted to marry her was like, okay, well, if she, if anybody else tries to steal her away, then we'll all like go to war for her. Actually, she chose him. It's a very progressive story. Um, anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm sure everyone knows the Trojan horse story. If you don't, pause now and look it up. It's pretty easy. Yeah. A bunch of guys get in a horse. Even better. It's watch, framed as a gift. Watch that episode of Hey Arnold where they <laughs> where they parody it with a giant pig, because that's even funnier. <laughs> it is one of those things that's like most people, like kids even, will learn about these things from like pop culture references oh, yeah. to it. Like I don't ever remember learning about the Trojan horse in like a history class or like a literature class. It's great, Mr. Drendel. <laughs> I don't I don't remember learning about it in a literature class because I don't think we covered ancient Greeks. Oh no, that was seventh grade. I covered ancient Romans, I remember that. But right. we learned Greek, Roman, uh, and a little bit of the Ottoman Empire. I do remember the Ottoman Empire. But uh yeah, like a lot of that stuff. A lot of like old old timey legends and stuff. I I mostly know because they get referenced in pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. It's weird, isn't that? Yeah, a little it's like bit. a retelling of a story of a retelling of a story. I mean, Greek myths, legends, those are so good for like adaptation. Yeah, because you know they're about really basic things. It's the reason why they've lasted for you know thousands of years. I mean, what's the number one show that you and I want to go see on Broadway? Oh, Hades Town. Yeah, yeah, it's a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice. <laughs> yeah. So Joker and his men go through with a robbery, but the next morning, the horses being rolled out, Batman and Robin tell the assistants pulling out of the warehouse to check inside. Hearing that Batman is foiling his plan once again, Joker emerges from the horse and the criminals fight the dynamic duo until Robin slips on a patch of grease atop the horse and Batman has to catch him, allowing the crooks to escape again but sans loot. Having been foiled once more, Joker is ready to trick Batman into a boner. Batman is set to testify on a case in California, and Joker has a transmitter that will mess with the Batplane's avionics and cause it to fly off course, turning him into another wrong way Corrigan. Come Come over here, here, into my corner, it's Josh's Fact Corner. So Douglas Wrongway Corrigan made a flight from California to New York in 1938. He was supposed to return to California, but ended up in Dublin, Ireland. He claimed that heavy cloud cover and low light conditions prevented him from seeing landmarks or reading his compass. Pretty embarrassing mistake. I mean... Or was it? Oh no. Did he get stuck in the Bermuda Triangle? 
Corrigan had been an airplane mechanic and pilot for over a decade. He had helped assemble the Spirit of St. Louis and discussed replicating the transatlantic flight with his friends. Corrigan had heavily modified his plane and applied for permission from the Bureau of Air Commerce, which was a precursor to the FAA, in 1935 for a transatlantic flight. He continued modifications and submitting applications until 1937 and was rejected every time. It wouldn't have been the first time that Corrigan would have broken the rules. When he was working as a mechanic for a flight school, he was told to stop doing stunts and instead took the plane where they couldn't see him doing tricks. Mm. Corrigan got a slap on the wrist for his transatlantic flight. His pilot's license was suspended for two weeks, which was just enough time for him to board a ship with his plane and return to the U.S., docking the last day of his suspension. Mm. He enjoyed minor celebrity for this, starring as himself in a movie about the incident and endorsing wrong way products like a watch that ran backwards. What kind of gimmick is that? <laughs> so wait, okay, if I'm understanding the conspiracy correctly, he was just trying to like also have a transatlantic flight? Exactly. Just to, for infamy? Yes. So be a second and something that Lindbergh? I didn't tell you is that so he heavily modified his plane. He had he added additional fuel tanks to the side of it, which obscured his view. And when on his flight from California to New York, one of the fuel tanks sprung a leak. Oh no! And instead of like sticking around and fixing the leak, in order to meet his like timetable, he flew it further on his flight to Dublin, Ireland. And the fuselage, like, started filling up with gasoline, and oh, he had God. to puncture a hole to let it out on the side that didn't have the exhaust so it wouldn't, like, explode the plane. But if he had been flying over America like he should have been and should have thought he was doing, he should have descended and landed to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Unless he knew that he was over the ocean and he couldn't land. And that's why he increased his speed to, to land in Dublin. Mm -hmm. I mean, the crazy thing is just, like, he had a compass. And, like, you can read the difference between east and west. He, he blamed low-light conditions for him not being able to read his compass. Was this before planes had, like, overhead lights <laughs> in the cockpit? Uh, I guess, yeah, it would have been. A flashlight? 30, 19, 1938. A pen light? <laughs> light a match? Can you, are you allowed to light a... You're probably not allowed to light a match in a cockpit, right? He never admitted that he did it on purpose. Mm. Up until his death in 1995 at the age of 88. Mm. He took it to the grave with him. And uh, he also won an award, I think I saw on the Wikipedia, that uh, he won an award from, like, the Liars Club of America or something for continuing to lie about it all that time. I love it. I hope he was also D.B. Cooper. <laughs> No, he actually he like reading the rest of his his like Wikipedia after the stunt. He like I said, he had like minor celebrity. He ran for political office like, a couple of times, sure. and then he like retired on a farm. That would be the all you would have to do <laughs> as his opponent would be like you're gonna vote for the guy whose nickname is literally wrong, wrong way. way. The wrong way for our country. But he when he returned, they threw two ticker tape parades for him. Well, it's still Be because of he did a transatlantic flight yeah. in 1938. It was like a big deal. Do you know like what 
What, what what number was he? Was he like second? Oh, I don't know. Probably not, because uh, Spirit of St. Louis was like early 30s or late 20s, something like that. Okay. I think it was late 20s. That was Charles Lindbergh, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know stuff. His baby got kidnapped. I know stuff. Really? <laughs> the Lindbergh baby? Yeah. Oh my god. You don't know that story? Not really. Oh, it's very sad. Okay. I won't bring us down. <laughs> it doesn't have a happy ending. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's get back to the comic then. However, it did inspire uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Interesting. Yeah. Good movie. Very good movie. Joker's plan works. Bad weather forces Batman to use his autopilot, and Batman lands near London with journalists on the runway looking for a statement. The radio waves, papers, and television broadcasts are filled with Batman's mistake, and the people of Gotham, along with Joker, laugh at how the caped crime fighter's reputation has been ruined. Batman has no time to waste, though, ignoring the reporters as he lands back in Gotham so he can head straight to Commissioner Gordon. Meanwhile, Joker is having a feast in his hideout, celebrating his latest success. Is that waiter holding an enormous flat cake or a giant oyster? I can't see. Wait a sec. I think that's supposed to be a dish that's covered. That's oh. like a silver, it's like a dome that goes over a silver platter. It looks like a gigantic clam. <laughs> However, the event is interrupted by Batman bursting through the door with a large group of police, one of whom threatens to shoot if anybody moves, which just sticks us right in like the golden age of like, yeah, everybody has guns and they're not afraid to use them. Mm -hmm. Batman explains, you were so busy forcing me into a boner, you forgot you were committing one yourself. Batman knew of Joker's plan, and the Batplane wouldn't have been affected by Joker's transmitter, but they played along in order to trace the transmitter's location back to Joker's hideout where they could apprehend him. With Joker jailed, the mayor apologizes to Batman, claiming that he and the citizens made the greatest boner of all, losing the faith in Batman. We've restored our faith and our boner for you, Batman. Batman thanks him and hopes that it is the last that they will deal with boners and jokers. <laughs> I hope so, too. Unfortunately, not the last they would see of the Joker, but maybe the last they would see of boners. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Or was it? <laughs> because we have something special for you, dear listeners. <laughs> On this celebration of our 50th episode, we're taking you into an extremely deep dive of Batman's Boner, a history of Batman porn parodies. <laughs> Before we jump into that, do you have a moral of the story? I don't have a moral of the story. I did want to mention that this is a Golden Age story we haven't covered before. And the third story in this issue has a Batman 2 and Robin Jr., which predates that like fan fiction future stories that Alfred writes that we covered in our Damian Wayne episode. These versions of the characters has Dick as Batman, which is the same, but then it's his son, Richard Jr., who's Ro who's Robin. Aw. Yeah, That's instead cute. of Bruce's son. And it's like Robin, he lets down Batman, and Batman, like, scolds him. He tells him not to disobey him because he, like, almost got hurt. And then Robin has a dream because Batman says something like, wouldn't you hate it if your son disobeyed you and, and got you in trouble? And he like has a dream about the future and he has a dream about like the future Robin letting him down. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Batman. I won't ever let you down again. I won't disobey your orders because I had a dream about how terrible that would be if I were in your shoes. <laughs> it's just like an excuse for them to do like 50s sci-fi future stuff. I guess so. Okay. Let's get into the Batman porn parodies. All right. 
So, uh, Batman XXX, 2010, uh, was directed by Axel Braun, and it starred Dale DeBone and James Dean as Batman and Robin. Uh, not that James Dean. It's a different James Dean. It's the porn star James <laughs> the Dean. The porn star James Dean. Uh, this film is based on the 1966 TV show, and it goes to great lengths, no pun intended, to <laughs> capture the spirit and style of the 66 show. Uh, DeBone does a surprisingly great Adam West impression, and it's all very silly and funny. Uh, the film actually ends in a cliffhanger after Batman and Robin take down the Joker and Riddler. They have a celebratory threesome with Catwoman. <laughs> However, she then learns she will still be brought to justice for her crimes and for teaming up with Joker and Riddler, and she escapes while springing a trap for the dynamic duo. Wow. Cliffhanger. Just like in the original 66 television series where Mm -hmm. they would end their episodes on cliffhangers. Yeah. Yeah, I I watched the first, like, three minutes of this with you, which, like, isn't raunchy. It's Mm -hmm. it's just them doing setup. Yeah. Uh, And it's good. Like you said, it is. It's it's pretty good. It's like a decent, uh, they do a decent uh, Adam West impression. Uh, There's, they they really keep within the tone of the 66 television series, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's easy. The 66 television show dialogue was also, like, stilted and kind of wooden. Yeah, and, I mean, like, it's, it's campy on purpose, and it, yeah. like, plays right into the fact that usually porn is campy, too. Yeah, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, sticking with that same... Uh, Sticky. <laughs> sticking with that same studio and director, um, the next joint was Dark Knight XXX 2012. Um, and it has a really interesting portrayal of the Joker, which I think Jesse Eisenberg based his Lex Luthor performance on. <laughs> like, it looks like Heath Ledger, but he talks like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. It does. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, so weirdly, it follows the plot of the killing joke. And <laughs> from what I saw, it shares no similarities to The Dark Knight except for the Joker's makeup. It also has, like, flashbacks to the Batman and Robin-style movie. Like, Poison Ivy's in it, mm. and I think Mr. Freeze is in it. Was that the one that had, uh, like, a Nightwing in it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the next one I wanted to talk about is, uh, there is also a Batman v Superman XXX, but the only version I could find was dubbed over in some Eastern European language, so I couldn't get a sense of the performances. <laughs> skipped over that one um and then finally uh suicide squad xxx uh not a bad performance for harley honestly yeah she did Uh, a decent job she did a decent job uh good costumes katana had more screen time than in the original (laughs) suicide squad Um, actually based again we we sort of skimmed through these uh we didn't sit down and like watch the whole thing no 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 but but like based on the like two minutes that we watched i can Say that it's probably better, like a better watch than the original Suicide Squad yeah. movie. <laughs> Except confusingly, uh, Rick Flagg is a prisoner in the beginning. Um, and then he actually like confronts Amanda Waller, tries to get her to not go through with forming Task Force X. And then he's the one who like runs out of the room and gets his head exploded. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. He's, he's like the Slipknot character. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so those are just some highlights of uh, the Batman porn parodies that are out there. Um, if you're looking for a genuine recommendation, then I would say uh, Batman XXX 2010 is probably fine. The, the 66 television series. Yeah, the performances are funny, yeah. and uh, the performances are uh, not, not bad. <laughs> you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> High performance. Yes. 
Okay, well, you went and looked at porno movies. I I did a non-scientific look at um, perhaps a different visual medium for, for pornography. I cannot believe that you did not follow the scientific method for the in our preparation <laughs> for this podcast. Well, okay, if I would have gone through and done this, like, methodically, it would have taken a lot longer, and I would have had to look at a lot of stuff that I didn't want to look at. All right. So I went to Rule 34. For those unfamiliar with the Rule 34 of the internet, the Rule 34 is if it exists, there is porn of it. Which actually we uh, disproved. That's true. Well... Because there is no porn of false face. We... (laughs) We checked. We checked for you. Yeah, we went through all of our old villains and uh, there's a few like Zebra Man, Rainbow Creature, and False Face that don't have any porn. Although that was like that I could find. I didn't Google it. I went on the Rule 34 website, which isn't as popular as it used to be. I want to say like the Rule 34 website's heyday was probably like early 2010s or something. Mm. It's not used as much anymore. I think people have moved to other platforms. DeviantArt. Yeah. DeviantArt always has been big. But the, the reason why I used Rule 34 instead of DeviantArt is because Rule 34 is very specific in their tags. So you can search for characters. So if I type in Batman, I can make sure that I'm getting Batman, like Bruce Wayne, or like Batman DC instead of like Batman as a series as a whole. Yes. So I can, I used it to rank and figure out the. Uh, number of pictures that the Rule 34 website has and thereby determine each character's popularity for lewd images. If there's one thing we know that's important to people searching for pornography, it is specificity. (laughs) Exactly. Good for them. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, I have, you want to guess like top, top five? Cause I have top, top five, five written down. Do you have, should I, ma- so male I have, and female? I have top five. I don't have it broken down male and female. I have top five and I have it top five generic. So, uh, like top five based on generic search terms, um, not specific characters. So like okay. I lumped in all the Batgirls. I lumped in all the Robins. Oh, I thought you had like different ones. I, was I do. No, no. I, I did. I okay. looked up each I individual am one. I very specifically okay. looking for uh, uh, Jason Todd, Betty Kane. Okay. Slash. Okay. Well, Jason Todd, I can tell you this, has 202 pictures on the website. Okay. And Betty Kane only has nine pictures mm. on the website. Dang. <laughs> So would you like to tr- take a stab at top, at top five? five? Yeah. Okay, but you, you okay? So generic this, terms, yeah. So generic terms like Robin, Batgirl. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say number one is probably Catwoman. No, okay. Catwoman comes in at number three. Okay, so I got I got one of the top five. Yeah. All right, I'm not gonna try to guess their placement. I'll just guess what's in the top five. Okay. Okay. okay so Catwoman. I think you should try and guess what you think number one is. Because I think, it, I actually thought it was easy to guess number one. Okay. I mean, is it Batman? It's not Batman. Batman comes in at number two. Is it Robin? <laughs> it's not Robin. My God. Does, is Robin top five, though? Uh, Robin is not top <gasps> five. I am so offended. <laughs> I guess it's because he's easily portrayed as a child. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Number one. I guess Batgirl? Batgirl comes in at number four. Okay. Um, 
Alfred? (laughs) (laughs) No, Alfred only has 46 erotic pictures. And uh, this is one that I I did sort of, uh, again, like sort of graze my eyes over the pictures available. And only about half of them are ones in which he is being lewd. A lot of them are like he's a character in the background or something. I want to say in the lewd ones, it's probably him in like a maid outfit. (laughs) Okay. So it's not Catwoman, Batgirl, Batman. Robin's not in the top five. No, no, no. Poison Ivy? Poison Ivy comes in at number five. Okay. You have got... Oh, it's Harley. It's Harley Quinn. Harley's a big old slut. Harley Quinn with 6,890 pictures. Wow. Number two, Batman has half of that with 3,343. Although interestingly enough, uh, if you search specifically for Bruce Wayne, there's only 1,589. So uh, 1,600 pictures of specifically Bruce Wayne. I guess it's just some people don't tag Bruce Wayne when they have Batman in it. Gotcha. What about Nightwing? Nightwing, so Dick Grayson. I didn't look up specifically Nightwing, but Dick Grayson has 2,095 pictures. Hmm. I'm offended. Why is that? Because I, I love well, Nightwing. Well, are you offended because Barbara comes in at, Barbara Gordon comes in at 2,313. So there's almost as many pictures of Dick Grayson as there are of Barbara Gordon, right. which is gender equality in my book. I think that that is uh, like a good medium to hit. I guess so. I just really like Dick. I Grayson. honestly, like... <laughs> I'm being honest. I didn't mean to make a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised in like the number of female characters has less pictures than a lot of male characters. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, Barbara Gordon, 2300, Bette Kane, 9. Stephanie Brown, almost 300. Cassandra Kane, 315. Um, Dick Grayson's 2,095. Tim, 607. Tim Drake, 607. Jason Todd, 202. Damian Wayne, 113. Okay, Damian's 12. <laughs> there's there's aged-up Damian. Uh, they, okay. they portrayed him as an adult in the comics. Uh, have they? Yeah. When? Uh, Batman Urban Legends number, I want to say it's six. It could be seven or eight. All right, gross. I'm not going to look <laughs> those pictures up because I doubt they're aged up. No, probably not. Uh, Ace the Bat Hound? I did not, <laughs> did not look that up. All right. I'll look that up later. But yeah, Batwoman only 275. There's mm. less pictures of Batwoman than there are of Tim Drake. Yeah. I mean, she's a lesbian. You would... I think that might be higher. Kate Kane specifically 196. Mm. Y'all are sleeping on Kate Kane. <laughs> <laughs> the Rogues Gallery is much less impressive. The high, the highest. Uh... Oh, let me let me guess. Okay, okay. okay. Besides Harley and besides Har- Harley, Catwoman and Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy, the other members of the of the the Rogues Gallery. Yes. Well, okay. If Harley's super high, Joker has to be super high. Joker is a thousand and six. Yeah, he's the number one in terms of the male Rogues Galleries that I found. Um. All right. Bane. I didn't look up Bane. Mm. So I mean, he's got the whole like muscle fetish thing yeah, going on. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there's a lot. The next highest one that I have is Clayface, Ugh. which might be skewed because I didn't search specifically which Clayface. So could be Lady Clay is included in that. Maybe. Um, also, Clayface is easy to use for people's weird transformation fetish stuff. I guess so. So, uh, like... Icky. Yeah. 
Do you want to see if you can guess who, who came next? Um, Mr. Freeze? No, no. Surprisingly, it was the Riddler. I was going to be my next guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, Riddler Punchline. I, I looked oh, her yeah. up because she was like in a lot of the Joker stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Modern character punchline. Okay. Sixty-six pictures of punchline. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have other numbers here. Do you have any any other person that you're interested in? Hmm. Uh, Vicky Vale has seventeen. Okay. Uh, ventriloquist. Didn't look him up. Dang Didn't look it. Him up. <laughs> Arnold Wesker <laughs> deserves better than this. <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's my favorite, so. <laughs> Yeah, then we got Penguin at 39, Mr. Freeze at 25. Oh, Two-Face at 49. Um, let's see, Scarecrow, where did I have him? I put him down. Scarecrow at 31, Killer Moth has 3, Firefly has 9, and uh, let's see, Kite Man has 11. Good for Kite Man. <laughs> Good for Kite Man. That's another one of those ones where uh, he's in the background of a co- of like half of them. Uh-huh. Harley Poison Ivy. Yeah, it's like Harley Poison Ivy stuff with Kite Man in the background. Yep. Okay. Being a supportive boyfriend, <laughs> I, I would assume. <laughs> Alright, well, um, happy Hanukkah from all of us here at Badmates. Happy Thanksgiving, um, and I hope you have a great holiday. We'll be back before Christmas, I'm sure. I want to do a Christmas episode. We'll probably do a second Christmas episode. Um, There's more Christmassy Batman comics to cover. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, you can go back to episode 10 where um, Santa gets held up at gunpoint. <laughs> this is true, yes. And uh, Josh and I sing some Christmas carols. That's uh, a classic. It's a classic. That's one of my favorite episodes. That was 40 episodes ago. I know. I'm excited. It's like a year. It was it, More than a year. Definitely a year ago. We've been slacking on our release schedule, so <laughs> there you go. Um, great. Well, thank you for listening to Batmates. You can find us on Twitter at Batmates, and you can email us um, at batmatespodcast at gmail.com and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will read it on the air. Uh, and thank you to everyone who's stuck with us through 50 episodes. We yeah. uh, are really enjoying this little hobby. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter to us that our listenership is small. We appreciate your devotion. And just as a tag at the end, I want to say, sorry, Mom. Yeah, sorry, Mom. (laughs) And Dad. (laughs) I apologize for the content of this episode. Yeah, we love you. (laughs) All right, have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody.